Chapter Thirty Four of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Four, On the Laufenplatz. Vincent had left the Gasthaus zur Post, the old-fashioned inn outside Klein Laufingen, at which he had taken up his quarters for the night, a little before nine, and walked down the street with his mind finally made up as to the course he meant to take although he shrank from the coming interview almost as intensely as Mark himself. He passed under the covered way of the bridge, and had nearly reached the open part when he recognised the man he was coming to meet, standing in one of the recesses. He noticed him look round in evident fear of observation. He did not seem, however, to have seen or heard Vincent, and presently the latter saw him throw his hat away, as if in preparation for action of some sort vincent guessed at once what he was intending to do it darted across his mind that this might be the best solution of the difficulty he had only to keep silent for a few seconds was it certain even now that he could prevent this self-destruction if he would but such inhumanity was impossible to him instinctively he rushed forward out of the shadow and seizing mark by the arm as he sprung upon the parapet dragged him roughly back you coward he cried you fool this is the way you keep your appointment is it you can do that afterwards if you like just now you will come with me tragic as the rash act such as mark was contemplating is when successful an interruption brings with it an inevitable pathos when he first felt that grasp on his arm he thought himself in the power of a german policeman and prepared as he was a moment before to face a sudden death he quailed before the prospect of some degrading and complicated official process it was almost a relief to see instead his bitterest enemy he made no attempt at resistance or escape perhaps life seemed more tolerable after all now he had been brought back to it he went meekly back with vincent who still held his arm firmly and they reached the laufenplatz without another word the little terrace above the Rhine was almost dark. The only light came in a reflected form from a street lamp round the corner, and they had to pick their way round the octagonal stone fountain and between the big iron salmon cages to some seats under the five bare elms by the railings. There Vincent sat down to recover breath, for the scene he had just gone through was beginning to tell upon him, and he was overcome by a feeling of faintness which made him unable to speak for some moments meanwhile mark stood opposite by the railings waiting sullenly until vincent rose at last and came to his side he spoke low and with difficulty but in spite of the torrent roaring over the rocks below mark heard every word i suppose vincent began i need not tell you why i wished to see you no said mark i know from your manner on the bridge just now continued holroyd relentlessly it looked almost as if you wished to avoid a meeting why should you i told you i wished my authorship to be kept a secret and you sheltered it with your own name very few friends would have done that you have the right to indulge in this kind of pleasantry said the tortured mark i know that only be moderate if you can cut the sneers and the reproaches short and give me the finishing stroke do you suppose i don't feel what i am reproaches are ungenerous of course retorted holroyd 
I am coming to the finishing stroke, as you call it, in my own time. But first, though you may consider it bad taste on my part, I want to know a little more about all this. If it's painful to you, I'm sorry, but you scarcely have the right to be sensitive.' "'Oh, I have no rights,' said Mark bitterly. "'I'll try not to abuse mine,' said Vincent more calmly. "'But I can't understand why you did this. "'You could write books for yourself. "'What made you covet mine?' "'I'll tell you all there is to tell,' said Mark. "'I didn't covet your book. "'It was like this. "'My own novels had both been rejected. "'I knew I had no chance, as things were, "'of ever getting a publisher to look at them. "'I felt I only wanted a fair start.' then fladgate got it into his head that i was the author of that manuscript of yours i did tell him how it really was but he wouldn't believe me and then upon my soul holroyd i thought you were dead and had no rights concluded the other dryly i see go on i was mad i suppose continued mark i let him think he was right and then i met mabel by that time everybody knew me as the author of illusion i i could not tell her i was not then we were engaged and four days before the wedding you came back you know all the rest yes i know the rest cried vincent passionately you came to meet me how overcome you were i thought it was joy and thanked heaven like the fool i was that i had anyone in the world to care so much about me and you let me tell you about-about her and you and caffyn between you kept me in the dark till you could get me safely out of the way it was a clever scheme you managed it admirably you need not have stolen from any one with such powers of constructing a plot of your own there is just one thing though i should like to have explained i wrote mabel a letter i know now that she never received it why how can i tell said mark good god holroyd you don't suspect me of that are you so far above suspicion asked vincent it would only be a very few more pages well i deserved it said mark but whether you believe me or not i never saw a letter of yours until the other day i never imagined you were alive even till i read your letter to me that must have been a delightful surprise for you said vincent you kept your head though you did not let it interfere with your arrangements you have married her you of all the men in the world nothing can ever undo that now nothing i have married her said mark god forgive me for it but at least she cares for no one else holroyd she loves me whatever i am you need not tell me that interrupted vincent i know it i have seen it for myself you have been clever even in that what do you mean asked mark do you know what that book of mine was to me continued vincent without troubling to answer i put all that was best of myself into it i thought it might plead for me some day perhaps to a heart i hoped to touch and i come back to find that you have won the heart and not even left me my book as for the book said mark that will be yours again now i meant to make it so when i came here vincent answered i meant to force you to own my rights whatever the acknowledgment cost you but i know now that i must give that up i abandon all claim to the book 
you have chosen to take it you can keep it the revulsion of feeling caused by so unexpected an announcement almost turned mark's head for the moment he caught vincent by the arm in his excitement what he cried is this a trick are you in earnest you will spare me after all you must not vincent i can't have it i don't deserve it vincent drew back coldly did i say you deserved it he asked with a contempt that stung mark then i won't accept it do you hear he persisted you shall not make this sacrifice for me holroyd laughed grimly enough for you he repeated you don't suppose i should tamely give up everything for you do you then faltered mark why 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 am i going to let you alone do you remember what i told you on that platform at plymouth that is why if i had only known then i would have fought my hardest to expose you if it was necessary to save her in that way for her sake not mine i don't suppose there ever was much hope for me as it is you have been clever enough to choose the one shield through which i can't strike you if i ever thought more of that wretched book than of her happiness it was only for a moment she knows nothing as yet and she must never know she will know it some day said mark heavily why should she know demanded vincent impatiently you don't mean that that infernal caffin knows no no replied mark in all sincerity caffin doesn't know how could he but you can't hide these things you you may have talked about it yourself already i have not talked about it said vincent sharply perhaps i was not too proud of having been gulled so easily can't you understand this secret rests between you and me at present and i shall never breathe a word of it you can feel perfectly safe you are mabel's husband it is to be feared that vincent's manner was far enough from the sublime and heroic he gave up his book and his fame from the conviction that he could not do otherwise but it was not easy for all that and he did not try to disguise the bitter contempt he felt for the cause mark could not endure the humiliation of such a pardon his spirit rose in revolt against it do you think i will be forgiven like this he cried recklessly i don't want your mercy i won't take it if you won't speak i shall vincent had not expected any resistance from mark and this outburst which was genuine enough showed that he was not utterly beneath contempt even then holroyd's manner was less harsh and contemptuous when he next spoke it's no use ashburn he said firmly it's too late for all that now you must accept it i shall not said mark again i've been a scoundrel i know but i'll be one no longer i'll tell the truth and give you back your own i will do what's right at last not in that way said vincent i forbid it i have the right to be obeyed in this and you shall obey me listen to me ashburn you can't do this you forget mabel you have made her love you and trust her happiness to your keeping your honour is hers now can't you see what shame and misery you will plunge her in by such a confession it may clear your conscience but it must darken her life and that's too heavy a price to pay for such a mere luxury as peace of mind how can i go on deceiving her 
groaned Mark. "'It will drive me mad!' "'It will do nothing of the sort,' retorted Holroyd, his anger returning. "'I know you better. In a couple of days it won't even affect your appetite. Why, if I had not come over here, if I had gone out again to India, as you hoped I should, you were prepared to go on deceiving her. Your mind kept its balance well enough then.' Mark knew this was true, and held his tongue. "'Think of me as safe in India, then,' Vincent continued more quietly. "'I shall trouble you quite as little. But this secret is mine as well as yours, and I will not have it told. If you denounce yourself now, who will be the better for it? Think what it will cost Mabel.' "'You do love her, don't you?' he asked, with a fierce anxiety. "'You—you have not married her for other reasons.' "'You think I am too bad even to love, honestly?' said Mark bitterly. "'But I do.' "'Prove it, then,' said Vincent. "'You heard her pleading on the bridge for the woman who would suffer by her husband's shame. "'She was pleading for herself, then, and not to me only, to you. "'Have pity on her. "'She is so young to lose all her faith and love and hope at once. "'You can never let her know what you have been. "'You can only try to become all she believes you to be.' In his heart, perhaps, Mark was not sorry to be convinced that what he had resolved to do was impossible. The high-strung mood in which he had been ready to proclaim his wrongdoing was already passing away. Vincent had gained his point. "'You are right,' Mark said slowly. "'I will keep it from her, if I can.' "'Very well,' Vincent answered. "'That is settled, then. If she asks you what has passed between us, you can say that I have told you my story, but that you are not at liberty to speak of it. Mabel will not try to know more. Stay, I will write a line. And he went to the corner of the street and wrote a few words on a leaf from his notebook. Give that to her, he said as he returned. And now I think we've nothing more to say. Only one other thing, stammered Mark. I must do this. When they, they published your book, they paid me. I never touched the money. I have brought it with me to-night. You must take it. And he held out a small packet of notes. Vincent turned haughtily away. Excuse me, he said. It is not mine. I will have nothing to do with it. Under the circumstances, you can't expect me to touch that money. Keep it. Do what you choose with it. I choose this, then, said Mark, violently and tearing the notes up he flung them over the railings to drift down on the rocks or into the tossing grey foam beyond you need not have done that said holroyd coldly there were the poor but just as you please and he made a movement as if to go mark stopped him with a gesture are you going like this he said and his voice trembled if you knew all i felt even you might pity me a little can't you forgive Vincent turned. No, he said shortly, I can't. I put temptation in your way, and though I never dreamed then that it could be a temptation to you, I could have forgiven you for giving way to it when you believed me dead. But I came back, and you went on with it. You lied to me. More, you dared to marry her, without a care for the shame and sorrow which was all you had to bring her. If I said I forgave you for that— it would be a mockery. I don't, and I can't. I see, said Mark. When we meet again, we are to be strangers then? No, said Vincent. 
if we meet we must do so as ordinary acquaintances for mabel's sake but there are no appearances to keep up here can't you see i want to be left to myself he asked with a sudden burst of nervous irritation have your way then said mark and left him there by the railings mark's first feelings as he walked slowly back up the little street where the little shops were all shattered and dark now were by no means enviable he felt infinitely mean and small in his own eyes and shrank from entering mabel's presence while his nerves were still crawling under the scorching contempt of vincent's dismissal if during the interview there had been moments when he was deeply contrite and touched at the clemency so unexpectedly shown him the manner of his pardon seemed to release him from all obligations to gratitude he had only been forgiven for another's sake and for a time he almost loathed so disgraceful an immunity and felt the deep humiliation of a sentence that condemned him to pay the price of lies by being constrained to lie on still but by degrees even in that short walk his elastic temperament began to assert itself after all it might have been worse he might by now have been drifting dead and disfigured down the river to basel he might have been going back to mabel with the fearful necessity upon him of telling her all that night one person knew him and despised him for what he was but that person would never tell his secret that painful scene which had just passed would never have to be gone through again he could think of it as a horrible dream yes he was safe now really safe this time his position was far more secure than when he had read that telegram of caffin's and here he wondered for the first time whether caffin had been deliberately misled or only mistaken in sending such a delusive message but that did not very much matter now and he soon abandoned speculation on the subject he had much to be thankful for his future was free from all danger he had had a severe lesson and he would profit by it henceforth with the one necessary reservation he would be honest and true mabel should never repent her trust in him sweet bells jangled would be before the world by the time they returned and after that he feared nothing and so though he was subdued and silent on his return there was no other trace in his manner of what he had suffered during the last hour he found mabel by the window of their sitting-room looking out at the houses across the river which were now palely clear in the cold moonlight their lights extinguished and only a pane glittering here and there in some high dormer window while the irregular wooden galleries and hanging outhouses were all thrown up vividly by the intense shadows what a very long time you have been away she said but i know vincent can be very pleasant and interesting if he likes very said mark and gave her holroyd's note i leave here early to-morrow for italy she read and may not see you again for some little time i have told your husband my story but on consideration i've thought it best to pledge him to tell no one not even you but the man who injured me shall be safe for your sake you did persuade him then she said looking up gratefully to mark oh i am glad how good you are and how well you must have spoken dear to make him give up his idea of punishing the man so vincent is going away at once do you know i am afraid i am rather glad 
and Mark made no answer. What was there to say? Vincent stood there by the railings on the Laufenplatz for some time after Mark had left him. He was feeling the reaction both in mind and body from his recent conflict. "'How will it all end?' he asked himself wearily. "'Can any good come from letting this deceit go on? "'Is he strong enough to carry out his part? "'If not, the truth will only come at last, "'and be even more cruel when it does come.' "'Yet he had done what still seemed the obvious and only thing to do "'if Mabel's happiness was considered. "'He was ashamed even that he had not seen it earlier.' and trembled as he remembered that only a providential chance had restrained him from some fatal disclosure to mabel that afternoon on the bridge but at least he had acted for the best and he would hope for it thinking thus he recrossed the river to klein laufingen where a mounted german officer many sizes too big for the little street was rousing it from its first slumber as he clattered along with his horse's hoofs striking sparks from the rough cobbles and passed under the old gateway where his accoutrements gleamed for an instant in the lamplight before horse and rider vanished in the darkness beyond vincent passed out too out on the broad white road and down the hill to his homely gasthouse he felt weak and very lonely lonelier even than when he had parted from mabel long ago on the eve of his ceylon voyage he could hope then now he had lost her for ever still one of his wishes had been granted he had been able to be of service to her to make some sacrifice for her dear sake she would never know either of his love or his sacrifice and though he could not pretend that there was no bitterness in that he felt that it was better thus after all he thought she loves that fellow she would never have cared for me and there was truth in this last conclusion even if mabel and mark had never met and she could have known vincent as he was the knowledge might not have taught her to love a woman cannot give her heart as a pre-montion or there might be more bachelors than there are End of chapter thirty four